one thing about the protectors is if we don't hit record, we get so much of the conversation out there that we should be talking about on the air. So, Melissa, welcome to the show. And today uh, I have a very special guest, Melissa from We Back the Blue. And, and thank you for joining the show. And thank thanks you. for letting me just hit record. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. This is no, an this honor. Is, I'm glad I met you. And it was, uh, you know, one thing about social media is you get to meet like a lot of different people you never, ever thought you would. Someone pinged me on social media and said, hey, they're going to have this human trafficking summit. Uh, Youngkin's going to be there. And I typically not a political machine. I typically stay in the middle. I'm middle right, obviously, just because, you know, it's kind of my conservative values. Right. But when I heard about that, I was like, huh, I'll go check it out. I'll go check out this Youngkin dude. I'm Virginian. So I went over there and the first thing he talks about, the first thing I knew anything about him was human trafficking. And I'm like, really? That's you're going to talk about that? Usually everybody's like, let's talk about something that's meat and potatoes of their campaign, like immigration, walls, budgets. But right. human trafficking is such an important topic. So let's talk about that and how you got involved with him and, and all that stuff, because that really kind of interesting character. It was interesting. So I um, I met him at he was hosting a Back the Blue appreciation event. And so I went and I kind of heard him and I knew that because of having family and law enforcement in Virginia, how directly this election was going to impact my family and my friends. And so I just kind of got the gusto and went up to him and I said, well, what are you doing for law enforcement? He's like, whoa, who are you? And I said, well, I'm we back blue. And he was like, well, what's that? So I started talking to him about it and uh, we had a couple of phone calls and I joined the team very early on. And the goal was to kind of let him know about policy in Virginia, things he needed to know about what was directly impacting law enforcement, um, you know, to get him acclimated with who was law enforcement in Virginia, because there's so many different groups and there's so many different agencies. And so um, that was my goal. And I think I did that very well. Um, endorsements for him. And not just endorsements like because you're Republican, vote for Glenn. But it was like, this is the candidate that cares about law enforcement. He genuinely cares. The very first assignment I had was to go to Costco and get like $900 worth of stuff and put it in bags and take it to all the stations and let them know the Calvary's coming. And it was so funny. I was like, okay, that's what I'll do. I took donuts to precincts. I took Chick-fil-A. I took all sorts of stuff. And it meant so much to them. It was the weirdest thing. I think um, Prince William County Sheriff's Office still talks about it. They were like, that was awesome. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's how I originally started. And then I just kind of rolled with it throughout the entire campaign. It's awesome. You know, your organization is one I didn't know a lot about because you and I have this little conversation before. Is there are so many different organizations out there. Uh, you know, you type in back blue, back to blue, we back to blue, thin blue line, thin this, blah, blah, blah. And it's right. like. I don't know. I don't know how to navigate this world. Right. There's it, between a nonprofit world, a profit world, though, just nothing, wor just the people that want to help world. There are so many different organizations out there. So what different differentiates yours? Well, I think the first thing you have to look for when you're looking at these organizations is what is it that they're doing? What is it that they're actually doing that directly impacts law enforcement? Because you can go and you can look, go on these websites or you hear these people talking and they say, donate, donate, donate. And you're like, well, what am I donating to? Like, well, what is it that you're actually doing? And one of the things I'm doing this year is um, a year in review. 
because I think people don't really know what you're doing until they can physically see like, okay, these are the things that they've done. Um, and I think we are different. I think we, we had the very first March in the entire country last year. I didn't care. I was like, this is just, I mean, if no one's going to say anything, I guess I have a big mouth. I'll do it. So I gathered a bunch of friends and I had a rolling motorcade and we went up seventh street at the height of BLM in DC and did our first March. And so that has completely changed to now. We did the very first, um, law enforcement, panel at CPAC this year. I called the guys at CPAC and I said, well, what are y'all doing for law enforcement? And they're like, well, I guess something now. And it's a very uncomfortable conversation that people don't want to have. They don't want to step on the wrong toes. They don't want people to hate them because of it. But I am very much the one that wants to push and have that conversation because it's just so important to so many people. Nobody understands the, the divide between law enforcement, policing and everything more than the police and more than the people that are divided against. But there is a lot of people in between there. Like to me, my definition of a thin blue line is a lot different than other people. A lot of people think that th when they think thin blue line, they think it's a, it's a, a line of secrecy. It's us against them. It's this against that. To me, there's evil on one side. There's civilian and people that need to be protected on the other. Right. And right in the middle is a very, very thin line of police. Yeah. And if you don't have that thin blue line, you essentially have anarchy and, and destruction and death. And I'm not being like, yeah, I am. I'm being a little you know, overdramatic, <laughs> but it's the truth. I mean, no, really, right. if you take out the police variable and it goes both way. Listen, when you talked a little bit ago about, you know, showing police some support, sometimes you just need a little support to get through the day. If you're working, I've been in LEO for 20 something years now. If I've had some shitty days where I just don't think it's, you know, why am I doing this job? Whether it's management, whether it's the public, whether it's this. Imagine being police right now and you have, you know, defund the police, defund this, defund that. And you feel like you have no support. And then all of a sudden someone's like, hey, you know what? Just get through this day. Get through this. It, there's positive light. It goes in yeah. waves. You're going to make it through this. They need organizations like that. They need people. It doesn't always have to be organization money in any way you could support. But they just need support. And that's the thing. It's like it goes beyond donuts and Chick-fil-A to the station. I mean, they need support that they're not getting in regular organizations. I mean, we can go into, um, you know, what that looks like. We did a balance summit for mental health because of these peer support groups in their agencies. They don't want to go. They don't want to have those conversations. They don't want it to leak. They don't want to be written up. They, you know, and so we did our first ever balance summit this past March. It was online. We had over 300 officers from across the country. I'm talking Portland to New Mexico to DC. We had all of these um, officers come and we talked about that and we had resources for them available. Uh, I actually had uh, one of these groups or a couple of these groups that were for police mental health that didn't want to come. What's in it for us? They said, I said, what's in it for you? You have 300 officers that are ready to listen to you and, you know, your resources should be at the ready for them. That's what's in it for you. Isn't that why you're doing this? And so that that's my thing. It's just like, it's so hard to navigate who's really doing the good work and who's not. And, and, you know, back to support. I, I think about this all the time, you know, they wake up, they put on the uniform and they have to wear that. Like they have to, like, I am a police officer. Like they have to wear that every single day and 
you you know, people can pigeonhole them and point at them and abuse them. And I mean, like every, imagine waking up every day and putting on a uniform that people automatically can just hate you. Like it's the, it's the cruelest thing. Like, in the hate world. You. like absolutely just disgustedly hate you. And you know, I, for depending on the, the, um, the audience I'm talking to, I have to, I, sometimes do I tell them I used to work for ice you know, I'm like, gosh, ice, defund ice. And I, I did a ton of media about that. But can you imagine being like, when I used to talk about it, I'd be like, you have all these ice people that were, so many of them were veterans, so many from every walk yeah. of life. And then just because they're enforcing the law and doing their job and doing this, they're hated. Same yeah. thing with police. You put that, but you put that uniform on and you, it was just the anniversary, I think this week of the officers that got ambushed because they were sitting in a, um, I think it was a coffee shop talking. Someone came in there, shot him, shot. I think there was four or five of them. I got it. Like, I apologize for not having that stat, but shoots them just because they are law enforcement. Yeah. People will kill you just because you have that badge on. Yep. It's and just, one of the it, things I've actually uh, researched. So I flew to Utah on my own dime and I met with a company who makes a proprietary glass that you can, um, if you shoot at it 12 times from the outside, it won't penetrate. But if you're inside, you can shoot out of it twice. Mm -hmm. Meaning if somebody's coming for you, like you can actually do yeah. something yeah. about it. So that's one of the things, but it's like, oh, we don't have the budget or we don't have, we'll make the budget, make the time because that alone will give officers a sense of, all right, you know, we can drive and we're not going to get shot at and it won't go through or whatever. And so Make the time. Make I don't I, I don't understand the rationale. If you want your guys to be safe and feel good about the job they're doing, why wouldn't you do everything you can to make it purposeful? I know. And the first thing that the first thing that goes when you have defund anything is training budget. Uh-huh. So when you're gonna if you want it to be a, a kinder, gentler police force, they have to be trained in that. It doesn't just happen one night. You don't watch like a YouTube video and go, so you know what I'm gonna be, I'm gonna change the way I think about the world. No, you know, you need training. Hey, you know what? You don't want to defund them, but do something better. Say, we want to train them. Let's train the police. Let's give them cultural geography classes. Hey, you know what? Uh, I always tell the story about I was a white kid growing up in a, a small town in Jersey by the Appalachian Mountains, because, yes, there are green parts in New Jersey. <laughs> and I go into U.S. Border Patrol, and I'm on a southwest border, and I'm like, wow, this is a lot different than Jersey. I'm not in Kansas anymore. You know what I mean? But yeah. I didn't know the culture. I didn't know the culture of the the hispanic culture the the gang culture none of that yeah hey you know what you want to you want the police to have better community relations train them in in cultural geography and cultural this cultural that train them in in basic things that once you defund it's gone like you said budget imagine sitting in a car and how many times have we seen this in the past years you're just sitting in your car someone walks up to you and shoots you Imagine living with that stress, the yeah. physiological stress. Right. It's it's just, you know, yeah, it's you crazy. need to talk about it. You need to talk. You need organizations that could bridge this civilian police mm -hmm. gap. And mm -hmm. you know what? There are people that they love the police just as much as they love the military veterans. Whoa, that's the best thing ever. And and those people, yeah, you know, they might be a little overboard. It's cool. They love them. Yeah, pat them on the back. But there are so many people who are, misunderstand police so much that it's just they. That's the ones that need to understand. Like say, you know what? Ninety nine percent of these people, ninety nine point nine percent of these people that signed that signed up, raised their hand, took the oath, 
to put themselves in front of you in danger are the ones there for the right reason and they need your support. Right. And one of the things I did do was I went through Citizens Police Academy. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but uh-huh. uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm a graduate. I'm a graduate. So anyway, I went through that. But what that showed me was all the different units and all of their functions and all of the things that they're going through and all of, I uh, the FOIA folks. I mean, the county that I did it in, there's three men that handle all the FOIA requests. Imagine as that goes, gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, how are they supposed to keep up with stuff like that? So when you go through that training, you kind of like get a sense of what the problems are, what the great things are, what the units are and what they actually do. Because so many people look at it and go, it's just a guy in a car. It's so much more. It's, it's, you know, a lot of people just don't understand that. And so push for people to go through that too. Oh my gosh. They're getting coffee in the morning believe it or not, they are. They're taking five minutes to grab a cup of coffee so they'll have enough energy to get through the day. Right. You know, I I really appreciate what you're doing for law enforcement. And I, one thing I am glad is that you're stepping into the arena of getting closer to the flagpole to affect change. Right. You know, you could say, hey, you know what? Uh, I don't like Yunkin. I don't like this. I don't like that. Uh, but how about this? How about you take a step back? And I'm not talk. I'm not saying Melissa doesn't like Duncan. Obviously, you do. But I'm saying, why don't you take a step back and say, hey, you know what? Let's get rid of all this political rhetoric. What is he? What is he going to do for the community? What is he going to do for for making me understand how I could help? It's always like us to get us first them, us first them. It's it's all. Right. I think that's complete bullshit. I, and I think too. we need to bridge that gap. I do too, but there are law enforcement, I mean, especially in the sheriff arena that are Democrat and that are Mm -hmm. independent and that think a totally different way. And, you know, I, when I was doing this job in no way, was it, did it ever occur to me to facepalm those people and not have their opinions matter? They do because not, I mean, let's face it. Not everybody feels the same way about law enforcement and how different things should be handled, but by God, I mean, we can we can hear each other out and then kind of sort out the differences in between. And so that's that's important. I mean, a lot of people in law enforcement don't do that. They they look at the person, they go, oh, that he's a Democrat sheriff. We're not going to talk to him. Well, he's still a sheriff and he's still doing the job and he's still, you know, whether he's a law enforcement or a jail sheriff. I mean, he's still doing the job. And so I took the time to kind of learn who those people were. And I'd love to, you know, kind of continue developing relationships with them. So. You have to, it's, 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 it's a different, it's not warfare. It's like, um, bringing people to the table or what yeah. do you call it? It's peace fair or what I'm, I'm getting off on some weird tangent now, but, but it's true. You have to, you can't just be so, you know, that guy's Democrat, this guy's a Republican because there are still people like me. I am Republican because I'm right in the middle. I'm right a little bit to the right of the middle. There are still people who are, Democrat who are just a little bit left of the middle. There's right. so many people that are closer to that middle ground than there are people that are divisive. The right. people that are divisive are the ones you're seeing on social media. All of a sudden you put a thin, thin blue line thing up and they're like, Oh my gosh, you're, you're Satan. Mm-hmm. You're Hitler. You're, you know, you're a yeah. Nazi. Yeah. I had a, um, so I live in a predominantly black neighborhood and I had a young man come up to me. I was like cleaning out my garage and I had the blue line flag because I take it to different events. And he's like, Oh, are you at January 6th? And I was like, what? And he was like, that's not, you shouldn't have that flag. And I was like, 
Sean, what do you think that flag means? What do you think it is? So we had like a 10 minute discussion about like what it is. And he, he saw the Yunkin for law enforcement. I had these huge signs and he was like, is he a Trump nationalist? And I was like, how do you know this? You're in fourth grade. What is going on right now? So it's, it's like, it's crazy. It's so insane. It's like, how, how do we fix that? How do you bridge that gap between communities and and you know the thin blue line it's it's gonna be it's it's a ripple it's a it's a grassroots effect and i like your you know you go to your website and you say hey you know what if you want to start a chapter in your state you want to do this in your state Mm -hmm. it's really getting the word out there about what policing really is Mm -hmm. what is law enforcement it's not always just the the man or woman who has that that blue uniform on with a badge Mm -mm. you have people in corrections you have federal agents you have so many different people that have have got into this career field yeah who just nobody understands like me i'm a fed but i work for a smaller agency i I work for big agencies but there are so many different special agents out there with every organization or every agency you can imagine that nobody understands like when they when they see a badge they equate it to always like oh my gosh what are they are they nazis I don't, you know, it's true. People actually believe that. And I'm like, really? Yeah, Uh, it's crazy. And there's Commonwealth attorneys that are directly affecting law enforcement and there's judges and there's, especially in Virginia, boy, do we need a clean sweep. I mean, we got some stuff going on here. That's just not okay. The way that they treat police officers or law enforcement, or really, I mean, to be honest, I hear about cases where I, these officers are working on them for 14, 15 months at a time for somebody to get 40 years only to turn around and they get four. And yep. it's like, wait a minute. Why did I? And that right there is a morale buster, right? I mean, why did I just do all that work? Why did I just work so hard so that we can just let him go? And you know, I think they're feeling that too right now too. I, had, I did a show today. I was talking to someone else and we were talking about trades and I thought about it. I'm like, you know, if I, if I did a trade. And I went, I did my work all day and I'm done. I go home. I don't think about that job anymore. When you're in law enforcement and you're doing investigations, oh. it becomes your life. Yeah. You know, and the same thing is if, if you're on patrol and you see and do things and you talk to people, or someone spits in your face or you, you know, you're, you're cradling a dead baby from a traffic accident. That doesn't go away when you take that uniform off. Mm-hmm. No. And I think these wives groups that are out here are great. Also, what I would like to see is a little more, um, instead of helping the actual officer in that family, which is great. I think the wives need a little sensitivity training too, for when (laughs) these, these folks come home and they're supposed to deal with real life, but they've just, like you said, held a dead baby or seen the most horrific accident they've ever seen in their life. And they got to come up, come through the front door and be dad. Like, how does that even work? You know? So I think that people just aren't sensitive to it. Now there's, there's so much work to be done and I'm glad to see you're stepping into bridging that gap and bridging that, you know, political divide that's happened in Virginia. I I'm really excited to see what happens with Yunkin. I, you know, like I said, going to see him talk about trafficking and stuff really kind of said, huh, let me give him a chance. Yeah. You know, just give him a chance. Um, get rid of the political crap. If he starts doing crap, hold him, hold him to it, you know? And so many people will hold him to it. Oh, they're ready to, they're already ready to hold him. I'm like, he's not even (laughs) in office yet. It's crazy. But what I will tell you is working with him, um, he is 
one of the most genuine people I've probably ever met. He also cares so much about law enforcement that whenever it came up or we had an event or I suggested a round table or whatever the case may be, he was right on top of it. And he took his time. I mean, if you've heard him speak about law enforcement, even at any of the round tables, um, you know, he's very well versed. He wants to know what the policy is. He wants to know how things need to be changed. How does it work? What's going on? This person's saying they're not being paid enough. So is this person who's telling the truth? It's like he wants to know exactly what's going on so that he can be well informed. He's not just a politician, which is absolutely awesome. I had um, I had the pleasure of going to a Virginia Sheriff's Association meeting where McAuliffe spoke and Glenn spoke. So Glenn spoke first and the whole entire room was full standing room. I mean, people were standing. You could. Well, when McAuliffe got to speak, it was not the same. But he got up there saying, you know, I have a record and I do this and I love law. And it's like, well, do you, though? So tell us what you're going to do instead of what you have done. And also not, half those things aren't true. So that's hard for me to listen to um yeah it's <laughs> so, you can I mean, tell it well you know and I, I, I this should be called the the yunkin express podcast but it's not here's the deal is i i'm i'm very hesitant talking anything positive about anybody unless i hear them talk right and when i went to that that human trafficking um it wasn't even an event. It wasn't like well publicized. Hey, hey, come look at me. I think I was the only one there. There was quasi media. I mean, there might have been a couple other people checking right. it out. But the thing is, he brought experts with him. He brought people who were trafficked. He brought a mother whose daughter was trafficked. And when I heard that story, I'm oh. like right now I'm getting chills. I am too. I am. I am like, uh, I cannot believe and she went really graphic in depth about her daughter yeah. and also the um the the woman who was trafficked and finding out what trafficking really is oh, yeah. like it's not like you know getting snatched off the street she was brought into the life right and then you know bringing other people in there i'm i'm glad that he's open to that yeah and that's one thing i'm excited i want you know later on i'll retire in 13 months i'll probably ping him and say hey what what's going on over there and uh, if it's a shit show, I'm going to be like, let's fix this thing, you know? But I love it. We'll see. Let's go. Um, Melissa, <laughs> the next thing we have coming up, and that's just my quick, you know, here's my resume, Yunkin dude. What's up? Um, <laughs> I love it. But the oh. thing is, too, is what you and I are going to do an event this weekend. And this show is I usually don't just knock out a show and publish it the next day or the day after. But we do. It's Christmas time. And there are so many kids in need right now. Oh. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have two little kids. Well, I shouldn't say they're little anymore. Jeez, my son's taller than me. He's 13. Oh, wow. And my daughter's 11. But there are so many kids out there who aren't as fortunate. They don't have the roof over their head. Or if they do, their parents can't afford to go out them and buy them gifts of any type. Right. Uh, this weekend, we're doing Toys for Tots over here in Chantilly, Virginia, right up mm -hmm. the road from my house. Uh, you know, Chantilly, we show up. How does Toys for Tots work? That's one thing I've always like. I've, I, you know, I've seen it. You know, I see the Christmas tree or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I'll go get a toy and drop it under there. How does Toys for Tots work, and how do we get involved? So they, uh, Toys for Tots, works with organizations throughout the state, and those organizations kind of let Toys for Tots know we have this many children that don't have, 
anything or this many children that need stuff or we're going to visit this many hospitals, however all that works. And so they let them know. And Toys for Tots comes up with like a number that they need. Well, unfortunately, um, they were 80,000 short last year. And so we, we held one of these last year in the same location with the state police. And so I've developed kind of a great rapport with those guys, by the way, they're phenomenal people. And um, they were like, let's do it again this year. So we are going to gather and we are going to um, get some toys together for them. And we're going to put them in a giant trailer and we're going to take them down to the main office and then they'll distribute them. Now we only have like a certain window of time, I think until the 14th. So last year, we had no idea what to expect. And I packed four vehicles. Full. My entire garage was full of toys. It was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, wow, we really, we did it. But it was 500, almost 500 toys. And the uh, the trooper that runs this and, you know, I assist him, I'll say I assist him. Um, he was like, we need a thousand this year. I'm not even leaving until we have a thousand toys. And I was like, Oh Lord. Okay. So we're going to double what we did last year. He's getting a trailer so that I don't have to stuff cars this year. And, uh, we're going to have actual Marines there, which is cool. They're going to be there to like greet people and say hello. Um, but yeah, so that's how it works. They, they basically give them to a big warehouse and then that warehouse distributes them. And it's something really cool to see. Well, the cool thing is it's going to be at a Target, too. So it's not like if you don't have a toy, you can't find a toy. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Last year, my boys, uh, my twins came and helped. And somebody gave them 100 bucks, And they ran into Target and bought a bunch of a cart full of toys. And brought, and they had, like, the best fun ever. So, I mean, that's always an option. I think this time, because we'll have actual Toys for Tots uh, uniformed Marines with us, they have a little donation box. And you can put money in there, too. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it was just people helping uh, people out of the car and helping them, you know, get the presents out. And it was cool. But this year is a it's a little different. I mean, uh, we're going to have a special guest. Uh, so Mr. Youngkin will governor. Uh, you know what? There. Let's just talk about it. You know, Youngkin's going to show up this weekend. And he's going to show gonna, up. Gonna I'll show give up. him the stink eye if he's if he's not <laughs> good to go. Well, no, no. I got 20 years doing this stuff. He'll be tell. there for no. <laughs> only for about an hour and a half, uh, but he'll be there to like, you know, take toys out and, and put them in the pile and say hi to everybody. I mean, he, again, law enforcement, he really cares about the things that we do and, and the things that up the morale for the men and women in uniform, which I think is really cool. And then we have Roll Call Room Cafe on wheels. And now that's an officer owned a coffee shop that's in Dumfries, Virginia. Their uh, husband and wife retired officers and they run that shop. And so they went mobile and they'll be bringing coffee and hot chocolate in their uh, big mobile unit. So that'll be cool. That's what I'm talking about. You right? had me sold the toys for tots, but you're throwing coffee in there. I'm throwing What's coffee. What's better in than there? coffee? I'm, I'm Nothing. there. I'm going <laughs> to bring my son. Hey, everybody bring your son and daughter too. Cause this might be an opportunity like me. I'm going to bring my son with me. I'll probably bring my daughter. if She's not doing something other crazy, but the thing is, it gives them an opportunity to see what's what they're doing. Have them first saying, hey, you know what? We're going to get these toys. These toys are going to go to these kids that need them. Not everybody has this opportunity to be able to like get connected to something that they're doing, like volunteering. Right. Like I didn't even realize like my son has to do 15 hours of community service for school. Oh, wow. Um, he mentioned community service today. I'm like, what'd you do? Like, I think I'm like, were you in trouble or something? No, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and uh the 15 hours, I'm like, that's a great idea. Yeah. I'm like, send him up there for three, four hours, have him help out with this, have him do something else, uh, that's check great. out other organizations. 
But yeah, I think this is going to be a great event. I'm looking forward to it. This is my first time actually participating in a Toys for Tot type thing. Awesome. And um, you know, I'm just going to be there for the the hired help. So I'm looking forward I to it. I love it. And Santa will be there too. A lot of people are like, where can we take pictures with Santa? There. Oh, you didn't even tell. I didn't even think about Santa. Pictures Santa. with Santa? Yes. There you go. We had a little Christmas minion last year too who like walked around. It was so cute. So what people just Look bring stuff. I mean, it's like a hodgepodge of stuff and cars and people. So hopefully because it's during the day we did it last year, we did it on a Friday night while people were like leaving work, you know, so I think it was easier for them, but this year it's during the day. So hopefully we'll get a good turnout because we need those thousand toys for that trooper. He's going to be very upset if we don't get that. Well, I tell you what, this is an internationally based show. I mean, we're all over the world. It's the protectors. Come on. But if anybody out there wants to just donate to toys for tots or check out, we back to blue, check them out. But you don't have to just go to this event this weekend. If you're local in Nova area, D.C., Virginia, uh, Northern Virginia, stop on by. We'll be in Chantilly, Virginia. I'll have the the information below in the comment section or in wherever this is posted, whether it's YouTube, Amazon, whatever. But make sure you check that out. And we'll be pushing out a little bit more information before we go yeah. there. But, hey, that's a big announcement that Glenn's going to be yeah. there. Yeah, that's very cool. And we'll be doing it again on the 11th in Dumfries. Uh, but I don't think Governor-elect will be able to attend that one. But he'll definitely be. We'll be out there. We'll be collecting more toys. And then we'll be doing one in Falls Church for the um, George uh, Mason District Station. Out there in, we uh, go. And I'll yeah. be there. I'll be at that one. I, well, I have to go to that one. That's where I live, <laughs> Falls Church. I love it. Woohoo! So, yeah. Um, Melissa, I really appreciate everything you're doing for not just law enforcement, but the community as well. I am very appreciative that you're stepping into this arena. Um, I know it's not an easy thing to come out of a, a comfort zone and try to like bridge that gap between civilians, government yeah. and law enforcement. Cause that's that now you're dealing with three different complete yeah. entities or just, it can be warfare. It's tough. It's very tough. I, you know, I have a buddy who Rob O'Donnell, who's um nine 11 guy, he's a survivor and he's, uh, you know, ex NYPD, he always call. he calls me a couple at once every couple of weeks. What'd you do for yourself? Because I hear about all the officer deaths, all the suicides, all, you know, that all kind of comes through me. And it sometimes it's just like, Whoa, it's, it's, it's not easy to bear. So. Uh, well, I appreciate you coming on the show. You're always welcome back on the show. And I look forward to seeing you this weekend. Thank you. Me too. Thanks for having me. <laughs> appreciate it.